You're listening to the Trekmate Family Network. Hello, this is Max Gradenchik, that's Rom from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to Trekmate. Rom, you idiot. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trek Mate Podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. Ship and a star steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name's Mark Stamper. And my name's Wayne Emery. Hello, Wayne. Long time no pod, Mark. It has been a long time. It's been a long time, obviously. Um, you and Paul did the pod uh, together last time and I wasn't there. And you and I are doing the pod together because Paul's not here. So it's... Uh, oh, it's been a while since it's been just the two of us. Just the two of us. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been. And I think we can make it if we try. I think we can. We can. <laughs> So how have you been then? I've not been too bad, been really busy, been uh, just working plenty, also like been decorating bits in the house and also um, getting ready for our new arrival to turn up as he's going to be here in five days. Yes, on Monday the 4th of November, so the day after this pod's released. Yeah, after, the day after this pod is released I'll be a uh, new dad again. So that'll be Wolf, son of Wayne. That that is exactly it. <laughs> the House of Wayne. Yes, the House of Wayne. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no, I'm just very busy, very busy at the moment with uh, all that, and also today was uh, Freya's first birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Oh, yes, of course, yeah, it would be, yeah, because it was just after Star Trek London. Yeah, it's yeah. a first birthday, so. Last night we uh, was uh, baking. We uh, made her a birthday cake. Oh, I did see. I saw the picture of the cake. That was, so, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'm impressed no, with that. Yeah, I was quite happy with how it turned out. So uh, yeah, no, was, I, I I think with each cake that I make, it's it, it, the quality is getting better each time. Yeah, it certainly looked good. I have to say, quite impressed. Yes, oh, thank you very much. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Busy. Um, obviously, it's been oh, blimey, late August since um, since I was on a pod. So yeah, um, busy with work and stuff. I went to um, I went to France for a few days. Ooh la la! First, sort of late September. That was that was a work thing. So it was um, if you remember, just before Star Trek London last year, I went to Italy for a few days. Um, this was the same thing, but it was just in France this time. So that, I mean, that was that was that was that was good. Um, so lots is that of nice food. Is, 
I was just going to say, is that Twining's just excuse to get everyone out of the office in somewhere exotic for a little while? Or um, is that just because it, it, Twining's is like a global company, like they rotate where... Yeah, it's, yeah they, well, they rotate it. It's generally in Europe because um, most of us are coming from Europe. There's the management um, from the UK and then they have the um, IT managers from Australia, Thailand, China, the US, um, Poland, France, Switzerland. Have I missed anywhere? Probably. So, so then they, they all come over to Europe. But there's a lot more of us from from Europe. So, yeah. So whenever France had lots of food, lots of drink, I had to actually give a presentation, um, ah. which that went quite well. So that was good fun. Um, so yeah, been busy, busy with that. Been doing a few podcasts. I've been on the on the Delta Quadrant. I did the first contact review, which came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I've been quite busy, quite busy. I'll tell you what I have been doing, though. Oh, yeah. Remember when I first came on Trekmate and used to recommend podcasts to me? Yes. We haven't done yes. that for a while. We haven't, actually. That, that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. We haven't been recommending pods uh, for a little while. Well, about... Five or six weeks ago, I think it was, maybe a little bit longer. I was just doing, uh, I was just doing a little bit of research on iTunes. So I just typed in Star Trek into the podcast section. And of course, we're well up the top there, at least on the UK store. Um, yeah. we're, we're on the top line of podcasts. Um, but to scroll through, and I found one called First Contact, and I thought, okay, let's, you know, just clicked on it. They were about at the time, I think they were about eleven or twelve episodes in. And what they're doing, they are going through TNG. In order, so there's two guys who are veteran Star Trek fans and one guy who's never seen TNG. And they're going through uh, each episode. Pods are only about 30 minutes long, but they are really, really funny. Yourself and uh, Paul Finch had recommended... I think it was Paul Finch. Yeah, I think it might it have was, been yeah. Adam. I no, I think it was, it, was, it, was, it was Paul. Yeah. It recommended the pod to us, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it properly, though I did listen to... Uh, half a show today and i'm going to be downloading the whole back catalog and listening to them they're really funny mm. i really enjoyed what i did here yeah and they, they are quite short as well so they're about 30 minutes or so uh long each but um tell you what there's no one better to uh tell you about the show than two of the guys themselves so here i'll play a little uh a little interview i did with those guys earlier on this evening so that's an interview with James and Alex from First Contact. So let's give it a listen. So this evening I've been joined uh, by two members of the First Contact podcast. That's James and Alex. Hi guys, thanks for joining me. Hello. Hello. So guys, you um, would you like to uh, tell all the listeners a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourselves, your background with Star Trek, and a little bit about the podcast, please. Yeah, the podcast sort of. Um came off the back of, of one we were already doing. We um, we have a, a website for Red Dwarf, um, which started up during the run-up to the last series that was on TV. And we decided to do a podcast as the quickest way of reviewing episodes rather than doing written reviews. <laughs> okay. Um, so we sort of uh, got used to being a team off the back of that. And uh, it, it was purely accidental the way the team got together. And I had the website... Um, I just happened to ask James to, to do some bits as he was going to anyway, and Andrew happened to email us saying that he'd like to do something. So we just had a preformed team by accident. And then one day, I, I mentioned it half-jokingly, uh, the fact that I'd never seen 
any of the next generation. I know. I, I, when I first heard that, I thought, wow, wow, you, you've never seen TNG. You've got it all to watch. I was quite jealous. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's especially uh, interesting for us in that there's so many links between Red Dwarf and Star Trek Next Generation mm. that it, it's sort of starting to make me realise all these little in-jokes that I never would have gotten before. Uh, so, And I was aware they were there, so it seemed worth doing. So I sort of joked to Andrew and James, because we were aware of this intro cast format. Um, oh, we could do that, uh, half-jokingly. And uh, then, slightly to my surprise, they both said, yeah, OK, let's, yeah, let's do that. Your last episode was episode 14, and that was 11001001. So you, you only started a few months ago, didn't you? It, it was a while ago, actually, because we don't release them every week. That would be torturous. Yeah, I, 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 I know what that's answer. like. I know what that's like. I used to, I've done two a week before, so that's, um, yeah. I think every show we do is, for a 20-minute episode, it, it generally takes about an hour, maybe a little bit more, and it's heavily edited down. Mm. Um, I know so, what that's like as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for Andrew's sake, they're a little less regular. And, and also, if we're doing the, the Red Dwarf ones, which, again, are irregular, we maybe do six or seven episodes every six months mm. uh, but we have to put things on hold while we do that um, but we, we've just gotten back into the swing of it again today, we've just done the next two episodes. Okay, brilliant Okay, so <laughs> they're going to be after hev- heavily edited those ones <laughs> <especially. Yes. laughs> Oh yeah, I, I, I know what that's like there's a lot of the um, a lot of the things end up on the cutting room floor as it were and, and the listeners don't get to uh, don't get to hear that, so sometimes that's a shame but I know what that's like just for the sake of clarity so, so far, Alex, you're 40, well, I guess 16 episodes in now. And, I mean, I know because I've listened to the show, but what do you think of TNG so far? Um, well, I was warned before going in by lots of people who knew that we were going to do this, saying, oh, you're going to struggle with the first season, but stick with it. I can, I can sort of see what they mean. It, it's an interesting mixed bag. I mean, mm. it's, I've, I've never known quite a, a show that can go so drastically from being yeah well no this is a good this is a good concept it's working well to my god what the hell is that yes um, angel one uh, and code <laughs> of honor yeah oh <laughs> that is yeah an absolute travesty of an episode it's just it's just awful but your your show on that was just brilliant it was really really funny i think even with all the blatant racism it's still not awful storytelling well, <laughs> well, I only like the racist episodes of Next Generation. Okay, so up, up the long ladder as well from season two. I, I do think that some of those episodes, they sort of help to dictate the tone of the show when you could have some episodes and Angel One again, an episode that I think just made us annoyed from start to finish. <laughs> Um, that sort of dictated that an awful lot of the time, as much of the time as we spend analysing the show, an awful lot of it would also be spent messing about doing jokes or just descending into a sketch. Yes, quite, quite. So, would you guys like to uh, let the listeners know where they can uh, where they can find the podcast? I will put this in the show notes, um, but if you'd like to uh, let everyone know your, how they can get hold of you on the internet, on social media, all those sorts of things. Yeah, it's uh, it's on thespoilist.com. Uh, which is Andrew's website, which hosts the podcast. Uh, we're also on iTunes. Just search for uh, First Contact. It comes up. Uh, it's the only one with that name, thankfully. 
Um, as I say, we've got two more episodes that should be out before too long, depending on how quickly Andrew can get the edit done, how much he despairs over them. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, guys. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a no pleasure problem. talking to you, and I look forward to your next episode. Thank you very much. Great. Okay. Thank cheers. You. So there you go. First contact. Uh, you can find them at thespoilist.com or just search for uh, First Contact in the podcast section of iTunes. Well worth a listen. Uh, yeah, re- re- really funny pod. And you can easily catch up at around about 30 minutes each. Um, they're really easy to catch up on. That's the thing. That's a much more manageable amount to catch up on uh, if you're jumping in at that point and they're only 30 minutes long. That's a, that's like the equivalent of listening to three episodes of Trek, mate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to diving in uh, from the beginning with them because what I did here, they were really funny guys. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. It, it inspires me when you hear like a, another good pod turn up. Definitely. Because that's the thing. The, the podcasting world is so big that there's plenty of room for everybody to play. Mm. And and everyone has their own little spin on things, and they've definitely got their own little spin. Um, yeah. Really, really, really well, worthwhile and uh, well worth a listen. So check De- it out. Definitely. And whilst we're on uh, <laughs> recommending other pods, uh, we did uh, get a email from uh, one of our friends who helped us out last year at the uh, Podathon. Uh, Oren from All Things Trek, oh, yes. yeah. and he's sent us over a, uh, a an ad for their pod. So I said, no problem, we'll be able to uh, give that a listen. So we might as well, since we're talking about other podcasts, uh, play his promo. Yeah, let's do that. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most... Human. Others. Hang on there a minute, Kirk. Are you trying to insult Spock? You know he doesn't like it when you call him human. And what's with the bagpipes? That doesn't seem very Vulcan. Seriously, dude, you're bagging on one of the most emotional scenes in the entire franchise. I'm just saying it seems culturally insensitive. David, we talked about this. No Klingon in the promo. Sorry, it's kind of my thing. What I want to know is why they didn't beam Spock to sickbay after he fixed the warp engines. Now who's bagging on one of the most emotional scenes in the entire franchise? Just saying. I disagree. Fine, fine, we'll finish the movie, but what about all the people who want to hear analytical discussions of Star Trek? Well, I guess they'll just have to download the All Things Trek podcast with David, Grace, and Oren, available in iTunes and allthingstrek.com. Now, Dev, pitchatchabmaj. Oh, wait. I mean, we broadcast live on trekradio.net Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Now, let's get back to the movie, okay? Okay, just let me rewind a bit. Oops. So there you cool. go. There's another one. Yeah, there's plenty of Trek podcasts out there, though. Uh, make sure you don't forget us. Yeah, listen to those after you've listened to this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please don't stop your MP3 player just to run off and listen to someone else. Yeah. We'll feel dirty. We will. <laughs> just let us do our thing first and then listen to those guys. Let us finish. <laughs>
<laughs> it's what the wives always hear. Let us yeah. finish. <laughs> let's finish, yeah. So uh, on that note, <laughs> let's um, head on over here. Now it's time for Star Trek News, brought to you by TrekmateFamily.com. TrekmateFamily.com, bringing you the latest Trek news as and when it happens. Yes, and it's time for the news. Uh, Now, the first piece of news is uh, Star Trek related, really. It's a product that's actually been inspired by uh, Star Trek. Uh, A company, uh, well, two guys are actually releasing a product called the Zowie. Uh, They're looking for funding on Kickstarter for for basically what it is. It's a a small wearable badge, exactly like a similar sort of uh, size as the communicator was that then interacts with uh, like your other electrical products, but then also can like, basically you can use it as it will do whatever you want at a touch of a button. Like you'll tell it that you want to play certain songs or you want to search for something or you want weather updates, find out what's going on on Twitter uh, so it's it's a really cool product, and it's going to be compatible with all of the formats by the looks of it: yeah. Android, phones, yeah. yeah, iOS, Microsoft. I don't see why they're bothering with BlackBerry, but <laughs> but still, it's going to be compatible with all of your phones. So, it, it, which I find quite nice because uh, you're a Windows phone guy as well, Mark. I am. Yes, we seem to get left out sometimes. Sometimes we do get the short end of the stick at times, although the, although the situation is improving a lot. But yeah, but it's nice that the, these guys are going to be supporting Windows Phone as well as iOS and Android. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So it's it's really cool uh, products. If you look at the videos uh, that they've got, it looks really amazing and it's it to be honest i love anything that can make you feel like you're closer to the future <laughs> definitely definitely yeah it looks one it looks like one of the old um about the size and shape of the old uh square ipod shuffles and you can it just does. clip it on and you, you just hit it and yeah talk to it which is pretty pretty funky yeah definitely uh, they're looking to raise a hundred thousand dollars uh, they've got 21 days to go, and at the moment they've raised uh, just over 15,000. So they're doing well so far. Yeah, so if you if you, if you do also want to uh, support them, then uh, you can uh, make a uh, pledge uh, to uh, support them as well. They've got some uh, fun packages, like as everybody does uh, when they're uh, putting on. Uh, something on Kickstarter the more you pledge the more you get so uh, if, if you pledge uh, like five dollars then you, your name will be added onto their website that's like a generic sort of one yeah and then uh, but if you can donate up to 149 dollars uh, you will actually receive one of the Zowie units uh, as well and you get like to choose your own color and everything so it's so even if you turn around and think, you know what, I would buy that. You just give them, and it probably cost around about that anyway. So you're just buying one now, really. Exactly, exactly. You, you're just pre-ordering it. Yeah. So no, it's uh, please do try and support the guys. It's uh, 
when I've spoken to uh, Ahmed, who's uh, one of the guys who founded uh, Zowie, he he's very passionate about it. So it'll be nice to see uh, see them have a chance to uh, uh, go into main manufacturing with it. Yeah, that's no, so, really interesting. Yeah, so uh, you can either uh, go to our website, go to the news section, and click on the Zowie. Uh, link or just go to Kickstarter and search for XOWI. Cool. We've uh, had another couple of things. Um, so if, if you new products from our friends over at Think Geek, have you seen the transporter shower curtain and bath mat? I have, and I think I th- I think I had a little geek gasm. It looks so cool. It is. So it's a bath mat. It looks just like the original series. A little transporter pad with the little, uh, the, the six little circles on it, and the shower curtain. Uh, it looks really authentic. So um, you can buy those for forty nine dollars ninety nine. So fifty dollars. So do that. I'm not sure if Think Geek shipped to the UK. They probably do. I'd say they probably do. If not, we could probably chat up one of the uh, one of our American uh, podcasters. Yeah, to uh, to pick that up for us. But that looks really really cool. So if you if you need a new shower curtain, then you know, yeah, buy one of those. Christmas is coming up, so maybe you could buy one of those for the geek in your life. Um, yeah, really like that. Another thing from uh, Think Geek: winter's coming. It's getting a bit chilly. It's starting to get a bit chilly already. You know, yeah. I, I like a nice warm hoodie. And you can buy from Think Geek TNG Star Trek uniform hoodies. Now these are nice. These look gorgeous. I that's the thing. Whenever I go out, I'm not someone normally feels too much of the cold. So when everyone's wrapping up, I normally do just chuck on a hoodie or a sweater. Mm. So these would be perfect, and they look lovely. They do look they, they look nice. They look good quality as well, and then they're pretty authentic as well. So you can get them in uh, red, you can get them in gold, and you can get them in the in the science sort of bluey green color. Is it and teal? I think that I think it might be teal. I think that's probably yeah. the right sort of color. Um, yeah. And you can pick those up for sixty dollars. So and that's not bad price. That's not a bad price for a hoodie of like of that good is quality. Yeah, of good quality, like Trek related as well. And also, what makes me happy is they cater for the bigger men as well. They do sizes up to three XL. Yeah, which and that's American sizes. That's really fat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're massive, aren't they? Yeah, Any, anything you buy from the US is, you know, they go up to like super huge sizes, don't they? Uh, yeah. yeah. So no, I I definitely think that's going to be on the Christmas list. I think so. Yeah, I think they're they're really really nice. So th- there's not been too much going on in the actual world of Star Trek. No, things have obviously calmed down a little bit since uh, Into Darkness came out, but uh, a few little bits there. So since we're at a point where there's not really too much going on in the world of Star Trek now that uh, Into Darkness has come and gone, maybe it's time that we. Uh, reflected on some of the uh, finer uh, points in Trek history. Yeah, let's do that, shall we? Let's go here. And now it's time for the topic of the week on Trekmate Podcasts. Yes, and it is time for the topic of the week. Now, 
we've never we've never actually talked too much about movies in depth. I mean, we've we've done we we've done the our take on Into Darkness, but we've never actually discussed a lot of the movies, have we? Which is quite surprising in seventy shows. Well, that's the thing. Is I th- I suppose it's one of them things that there's so many hours of TV shows that it's easy to concentrate on them. Without actually really looking into like the the movies, obviously the big one that we've discussed a number of times would be First Contact. Yes, and the and the JJ films because they're very current. So no, it'll be nice to actually like throw ideas about about the uh, about the original movies. Yeah. So okay, so what we're going to do, we're just going to go through uh, each of the movies in order and just talk briefly about them, give our overall thoughts, and maybe at the end we'll try and I I don't think I can rank the movies. I don't think I can go through all twelve movies and rank them um, in any sort of order. I think I, I I could spend hours trying to do that, but I can probably give my top three or four. I think. I think I could probably chuck them into categories of top, middle, and bottom. If we was going to go for a strike it lucky rules, okay, we could do that. Maybe we could do that. But let's start. Okay, so Star Trek: The Motion Picture from 1979. This film is obviously, I I feel it probably gets too much of a bad rap, but yeah. just because people are too impatient. Mm. I think it does a lot of people say, oh, it's so boring, it's so slow. It's I mean the pacing of it isn't. Brilliant. It is a little bit. Hence, the, it's been nicknamed the motionless picture. Yeah, and they say, oh, you know, you've got ten minutes of the Enterprise. You know, I, I was fine with that. And I think in the director's cut, you get even more with that. But it's got some brilliant music from uh, from Jerry Goldsmith there. And you know, they, they Star Trek had been off the air for, for for ten years, and they wanted it. You know, they were bringing it to the big screen. They had a big budget, so I don't blame them for putting in a big. You know, a big flyby shot of the ship because that's what everyone wanted to see. Yeah, I don't at all because also you've got to think up until that point, the most that you ever saw of the ship was the grainy little image that re- it yeah. represented on TOS yeah. before it was remastered, before it was done anything with. So this is the first time that you've ever got up and close with the Enterprise, and to be honest, that. That scene does not bother me whatsoever. It just, whenever I see the uh, approach in the Enterprise, uh, I always it gives me tingles on the back of my neck. Mm. Just as you said, the score is brilliant, and also just the it, the whole feeling. It, it makes me warm and fuzzy inside, even though it's not something that. I hold any sort of sentimentality to because I didn't watch the motion picture until probably, probably at least like 20 years after it came out. Mm. Okay, the pacing in places is a little bit slow. Uh, it does plod along at times, but I think the the story behind it—it's an interesting concept that that Voyager probe had gone out and then returned uh, had, had been augmented by this unknown alien race and then had returned looking for its creator i thought it was an interesting an interesting concept yeah no i th- i think it's i think it's treated I think, I, th- I think it's treated far too harshly by fans I, I i like it it's not it's not up there in my top movies but i do like it 
No, I I would say it's probably for me it's milling around in the middle somewhere. Mm. It's it's not it's not in any way a bad movie. I wouldn't ever say it's one of my favourites, but it's not. It, it is one that I would put on and watch because I enjoy it. And as you said, it it does amaze me though that they um, that that the Voyager probe managed to get so far. Yeah, it, it probably. I think didn't they mention in there it, it must have passed through a wormhole or something like that? I think they did. I think they did. Yeah, it's the only way it could have got to the other side of the galaxy or you know, to to anywhere at all. It went through a wormhole and then the um, aliens, you know, fitted it up and obviously it had a warp drive or something so it could make its way back at a. Um, a greatly increased pace. Do you subscribe to some of the theories that link it towards <laughs> the Borg, or no? No, no I, I don't. Know. It's, it's not the Borg style. I mean, yeah, you could sort of try and retcon it and say it was the Borg, but no, no. I, I don't subscribe to that. No, because the Borg fit. aren't bothered by anything that doesn't better their own uh, like technological know-how, or yeah, they wouldn't build it up for that reason. What? There was no reason for them to do that. No, it, it would be illogical. There's no sort of sentimentality in the Borg. But no. a, a worthwhile start to the movies, I think. And what did you think of Becker? Decker. 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 Becker. He was okay. He was okay. It was, I mean, obviously he was going to be the, the, the new captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was, there was no way they could have kept him there. They had to get Kirk back in the seat. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting if we'd ever found out what happened to him when he joined with Ilea, didn't he? And he yeah. It would have been interesting if they'd ever brought that back in. It might have been in one of the novels. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of novels out there. I wonder if that's ever been explored. Maybe someone... Uh, Cena, you know the um, the books very well. I wonder if Decker and Ilea and, and Vija, whatever they became, I wonder if that's ever been explored in a book or a, or a comic. I, it probably has. It probably has. I don't think it's been explored in the comics, but no, it'll be. It, it would be interesting, though. You've got to feel sorry for him because he's the new captain. And then Kirk just swans in, yeah, and takes over the ship. And takes over. You're you're now <laughs> first officer. Oh, oh, well, this is my ship. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Like there's an emergency. You've had your and, time. And, yeah, this is uh, this is an emergency, and only Kirk can save the galaxy. Look, um, before we go too much further in, one thing that does slightly grate on me with all of the films, next-gen films are just as guilty, is that how, in so many situations, can the Enterprise be the only ship in range? And when they're in space dock, they're at Earth. Yeah. Earth would have at least 30, 40 ships just milling about. It's the it's, it's the centre of Starfleet. Yeah, you would have thought there'd be more ships around, wouldn't you? Yeah, so there's no excuse for waiting until Tuesday for transporters to arrive or whatever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like, literally, you're sending a ship, like, fucking 150 light years away when there's probably a good 20 ships in between. Yeah, there must be ships around Earth and Vulcan. and you know, Yeah, even if they're smaller ships, 
you know, maybe maybe not the big ones. Yeah, it is quite convenient, isn't it? How the Enterprise just happens to be the only ship in range. Mm. Yeah, that that never makes sense to me. Though I give it a free pass, but it it's just one of them things that, that is consistent within most of the movies. Yeah, it has to be done for sake of plot, doesn't it? It's done in a lot of episodes as well. There's no other ship in range. No. Exactly. If you were somewhere remote, you could understand it. But if you're around Earth, then there must be a ship somewhere. Exactly, and that's the thing. Even if you turn around and said, "Okay, then this," you might get away with that after Wolf Three Five Nine or after the Dominion War, because most of your ships have just been destroyed, yeah. but not in the middle of like no sort of big wars going on. So. Yes, no, still. Anyway, Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. I mean, this is, uh, for many people, um, you know, many people's favourite Star Trek movie. And I can't blame them for that. I think it, this is a fantastic movie. It is, I mean, it's got a great story. The, you know, there's lots of action. The pacing's done really nicely. Ricardo Montalban as Khan is amazing. I can, it's got some really good music in it as well. Fantastic shots and lots of tension and, and drama and action. So it's easy to understand why people you know, put this up as the favourite. It is. And also what I like about it as well is it's one of them few times that, especially with the original series, actually revisits a story mm. that's gone on and like it like gives it more depth as well. Because... Obviously, in a, in a later time in the nineties and the like two thousands, we're so used to stories being revisited and fleshed out and everything, mm. but that never happened with TOS. So it's, it was nice to see uh, Khan uh, back on yeah, the big screen. That's an interesting decision, wasn't it, to actually go back and look at villains and you know resurrect him because you know, and I've said this a lot, the movies. They're not always. They, they they do things very differently from the TV series, and they yeah. do it. They do it for movie-going audiences because there are a lot of people who will go, "Yeah, I'll go and see a Star Trek movie," and they enjoy the movies, but they don't really watch or understand the TV show. So for them to go back and actually pick a villain and bring him into this, you know, is a is a big decision because there would have been a lot of people who saw the movie who didn't know who Khan was. They would never have seen Space Seed. They had no idea. Um, Exactly. So, but quite a brave decision to do that, but a, but a very good one. But the thing is, if you are revisiting a character, that that means that if you have watched the series, then you understand what's going on, you uh, like realise the significance. But if you write that story well enough, that Joe Public can just pick up and enjoy the story for what it is, and then get more of an insight when they look back, mm. then you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. When, you, when you make it so that the it's essential that you have seen that episode, then you've screwed up because Joe Public won't go to that. Yeah. That's the thing. You, you're doing great service to the fan base, but in reality, the studio needs it to make money to want to do more. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But a good, you know, I'm I'm not really a big William Shatner fan, but I think he does pretty well in this movie. Yeah, I, I quite enjoy his performance in this. Yeah, he doesn't chew the scenery too much. No, <laughs> in this one, he's no, he, he is. 
I he, I give him all credit where it's due. He's he does a good job, and I I think all of the characters are well represented in Khan. Except I, except for some of Khan's henchmen who were I think they were Chippendales, weren't they? Yeah, I, th- I think they were male strippers. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, they just did, well, they just had to stand there and look muscly and handsome, didn't they? So yeah, yeah that's, all, exactly. that's all they had to do. Though it would have been, it would have been nice to have seen uh, old um, uh, what's her name, uh, Turncoat uh, from Space Seed. Oh, um, uh, MacGyver's. It would have been nice to have seen MacGyver's, though we do assume that she's the wife that died. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, because obviously she left. Khan had this amazing control over this power over and um, I think she yeah, was she just left. a muppet yeah I mean <laughs> she just uh, too easily she just submitted to anything he wanted but yeah the thing is off. you can't really hold it against her because obviously Starfleet officers are meant to have like so much uh, like personal like strength and like be quite strong willed but to yeah, be honest yeah if if you are a 20th century historian just waiting to be called up, you're gonna feel worthless anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they were well they were well rid of her, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. But of course, I mean, the moment at the end of the movie, we have to talk about that, the the sacrifice by Spock. You know, that really emotional scene at the end, where he um, obviously sacrifices himself to save the ship. A, a, a lovely scene. And the death of Spark. They kill Spark. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's one of the things that it leaked out beforehand that Spock was going to die. Mm. And then throwing in the uh, the training situation at the beginning of the uh, uh, Kobayashi yes. Maru made people think that that's what they were good, they were on about thing, yeah they, oh that so. leaked and oh it was just a simulation yeah throwing them off the scent but yeah yeah so I, a, a very emotional end yeah no definitely I I can't help but watch that without tearing up mm. it's one of the legendary scenes in Star Trek like w- when you think of uh, like things that come to mind uh, that will always be in the highlight reel definitely definitely that's the thing no idea why um, he uh, decided to uh, play uh, bagpipes for him, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I don't know, maybe Spock liked them. You never know, he might have had a fondness for them. Yeah, you never know, Spock might have been hanging out with Scotty just listening to bagpipe music. Yeah, you never know. That's one of the, the deleted scenes. <laughs> but of course, that leads us on from there into the next movie. And the search for Spock, directed by Leonard Nimoy himself, and he, he he does a good job. He does a good job. Yeah, he's he's done a good job of directing. And um, I don't know if you listened to Ten Forward a few weeks ago when they discussed Leonard Nimoy, and he actually directed uh, Three Men and a Baby. Yes, he did. Which is is a pretty good film. It's a pretty I'm good. Really, it's a really pretty like good eighties comedy film and it's, it, it did very very well um, you know you can say what you like about it it was a very popular movie did very very well um, I, did, I didn't actually know that I that's the thing, I, I did not know that at the time because I grew up 
really liking Three Men and a Baby. Mm. Like at a similar time that I was getting into like TNG. So mm. it's I I was surprised when I found out that he uh, directed that. But no, it's it, as you said, it's a classic uh, film. And I, I really like. I mean, this isn't as a movie. It's probably in my middle three. You know, in my in my sort of medium, it's not one of my top films. It's not one of the worst films for me. It's probably somewhere in the middle. I do, however, really like the performance uh, by Christopher Lloyd as Krug. Yes. And of course, yes. a lot of people be like, "Oh, it's Doc from Back to the Future." Yes, it is Doc from Back to the Future. But this was actually before Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly. It's only retrospectively that you thinking of him more as Doc Brown. Mm. I mean, that was when the, the Klingons were just sort of very they they hadn't been fleshed out like they you know that that they were later in TNG so they are just these real bad guys but Christopher Lloyd does a really really good job as Krug and yeah. kills kills Kirk's son of course yeah exactly and uh, that's I to be honest with number three it, as you said it's not my favorite film by far but it is it, it's really good at what it does it's really good at what it does. I think the Genesis device is an interesting plot, uh, like plot mechanism. And I think that I, I just thought it was just a really, it is, it's a fun ride. Mm. And you get to see the enterprise destroyed at the end as well. Yeah. It's not every day that you get to see the destruction of the enterprise. Yeah. So that's the thing. You, you've got to be quite ballsy to uh, decide to destroy the main ship. So, Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, the comedy movie. I love it. I, I love The Voyage Home. I, the, the, I probably watched The Voyage Home. The, out of the original movies, I've only ever watched one movie more than this one, and that's Undiscovered Country. Mm, okay. Okay. It's. Um, I do enjoy it. I do like it. It's probably at the top of my mid middle section but it does have some really funny moments in it. I mean a lot of the funny moments revolve around them being fish out of water yeah you know, they can they don't understand anything you know they've um, double dumbass on double, you double dumbass on you and, and uh, exact change buses and um, they, they just haven't got a clue how anything nuclear vessels you know, there's this Russian guy asking the American cop we want to know where the nuclear vessels are and the cop's just looking at him like what um it's it's a funny movie. It's a good fun ride. It's got some very silly music in it, um, and it's got that environmental message as well, hasn't it? About the um, about the the whales. Um, yeah. I always wondered where that space probe came from, though, and it was never, as far as I'm aware, ever visited again. Where had it come from? Why why was it wanting to talk to the whales? And then at the end, it just disappears. Whales, nice. do, whales just go. And the way that they do, talk to the probe, and probe goes, "Oh yeah, all right, then see you later," and just buggers off at the end. So, a little yeah, bit unexpected. I, I would like to have had that explained a little, but it's interesting that the probe wasn't interested in any other whales other than humpback whales. Yes, because I'm presuming there was. It had just been talking to them, and I mean, I'm assuming there would have been other whale species left on Earth. Okay, the humpbacks were extinct, but I'm sure there would have been others. I know they do have their own. Um, they have their own languages um, and their own ways of communicating, but it only talked to them. wasn't interested in 
blue whales or you know there were dozens and dozens maybe even hundreds i'm not quite sure but there were lots of species of whale and um, also it's it's quite interesting that um the probe would be able to hear whales talking from so far away unless maybe the species that made the probe had left some uh, microphones at the bottom of the sea <laughs> possibly yeah yeah, it was all very convenient, wasn't it? But you sort of, sometimes you just have to, you know, just go with it and just oh. overlook those things and just say, ah, yeah, okay. Magic space probe. Yeah. No. <laughs> when you think about it, it makes no sense whatsoever. It was just but yeah. I, but I, I love it. I love this film to pieces. And really uh, cool to see them flying a, a Klingon bird of prey as well and cloaking yeah. it and landing it in the park. Yeah, exactly. And also just... There's so many little bits from this film that are iconic as well. Uh, Scotty trying to use a PC. <laughs> yeah, trying to use the computer. Um, computer. Talk, talking into him. And that's just, yeah, everyone loves that moment. Um, Spock swimming with the whales. Um, yeah. They are not the hell your whales. Um, uh, Dr. Gillian running into the cloaked ship. Yes, yes. And then uh, when the, the whaling ship tries to fire the harpoons and it just crashes off the hull and then it appears and they're like freaking out as they decloak above them um yeah yeah a good a great movie a yeah movie. no definitely and that's one of the situations that it, it, it's actually justified that they're the only ship around because the rest have been disabled yes exactly because it had um uh ionized the earth's oceans and i mean it had taken power out of everything hadn't it it was yeah um, yeah yeah definitely so, I suppose we've got to talk about this one, haven't we? Well, that's the thing. It's been a while since we've actually discussed. <laughs> Although I did talk about, I talked about it a little while on the Delta, a little while ago on the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, you did. And I know that there was just as much venom. Yeah, Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. Awful movie. Terrible. It's really, really, really shit. Can we move on? It's bad. I mean, it's just badly directed. Um, I mean, Shatner's just awful in it. I mean, he directed it. He did a terrible job. The The plot doesn't make any sense. The effects are terrible because, well, the ILM were working on one of the Indiana Jones movies at the time. So yeah. they couldn't do this, so they got someone else to do it. Christ knows who, but they did a terrible job. The plot makes no sense. That's they the reuse sets from TNG. It's just crap. I know, seeing the TNG corridors and sets and everything really threw me out of the uh, mood for it. But then also, I think it's insulting to the characters to actually have... To to make it so that you're led to believe that these characters just need to be shown, like, one moment of being unhappy and then that makes them a slave exactly exactly and other people can see it how does that work was he projecting it so other people could see when um when mccoy um ends his father's life to relieve his suffering everyone else sees that well how's that happening well maybe maybe cybok has like gone inbuilt xbox one room projector yeah maybe Maybe. Mm. 
because all, yeah. well, he must have some really magical technology because they managed to fly to the centre of the galaxy in the space of a few hours. Exactly, he could have at least gave that to Voyager because then their trip home would have been like three hours tops. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, they could really have used that magic technology, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they could have done. And let's face it, only Kirk would write a movie where, uh, sorry, only Shatner could write a movie where Kirk kills God. Yeah, and of course it was going to be the rock monsters. You must have seen the the YouTube I, video with the rock monsters. I have seen the rock monsters, and what I can't believe is how expensive mm. it was to make the rock monsters. When I'm pretty sure that you and I could knock something up that looks far better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did. Oh dear. Oh, I've talked. Now we've talked enough about that movie. Should we move on? <laughs> oh, I would say uh, favorite bit. Uh, row 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 your boat that's actually quite nice it is quite it's bookended quite nicely the opening scene with them um, in Yosemite and they're out there the three of them that is actually quite a nice scene and it's bookended quite nicely um, you know with a follow up at at, you know the end of the movie with the three of them together it is quite nicely done and the score was actually very very good another Jerry Goldsmith score some lovely music in it other than that it's not Jerry Goldsmith's fault no. Though what I would say is the best way to watch Star Trek V is to watch the first five minutes and then skip forward about an hour and 40 and then watch the last three. Yeah, and then listen to the music. Yeah, and then yeah, listen to the soundtrack mm. and then you should be okay. Yeah, you can just about... Yeah, you can just about get away with that, I think. Everything in the middle is just filler and it's awful and anyone who tries to defend Star Trek V to us we're not going to be listening no <laughs> so let's so let's move on to the other the, the final uh, TOS movie and the other movie which many people hold up as one of their favourites and of course that's The Undiscovered Country I love this film so much it, it, is, was, it's one of... it was the first Star Trek movie I ever saw in the cinema yeah, also oh, it's got like a lot of sentimentality mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, um, great movie, great effects, great storyline. Obviously, it was the the final movie. TNG was well into the swing of things at this point, and it was nice to have that bit of storyline where you see the point at which the, the the Klingons and the Federation attempt to make some sort of peace. Um, and you, you and you start to see a little bit more of that rich Klingon culture, rather than just being the thugs that they were in in, in Star Trek Three. You see a bit more of the real Klingons coming out. I, it, that's the thing because you got the, uh, Undiscovered Country is uh, being filmed after the first what three seasons of TNG. Yeah, it was released in '91, so they were probably filming it through sort of '19 into early '91. So you yeah. probably season four would have been going on at the time. So, and I think because TNG had really filled out who the Klingons were, it meant that when they were when it came to like like showing them on the undiscovered country you had a much more meaty version of the Klingons mm, definitely that you could show and identify with like this is the first something you see like proper 100% Klingons they were, they were close in Star Trek 3 
but they weren't quite there. Mm. And then these are the Klingons that we've come to love. Yeah. And I just, uh, this is, to be honest, it's got, the pacing is brilliant. The, it's, there's, there's never really, it speeds up and it slows down appropriately in the sense of nothing seems to go too slow, but then also it doesn't rush so fast that you don't feel that you've identified with the story Mm. or anything. And there's never a dull moment. No, no, you are on your, on the edge of your seat. Even Shatner does quite well in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Even Shatner does all right. And, I just I, I love the I love the plot because it's it's so true that it, like whenever there is big changes and everything there's always going to be a contingency of people that want to try and maintain the the current zeitgeist so they they're going to try everything that they can to just preserve what is current and I, we all know that there's corrupt people in Starfleet, so it's nice to see them being represented on the big screen as well. Yeah, definitely. And a Vulcan of all people. Who would have thought it? Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that? That's the thing. I, I can't express how much I like this film. It's a great movie and a very, very fitting end to uh, the t- the TOS movies. Just imagine if Star Trek V had been the last movie. That would have just left a bad taste in your mouth. You, you definitely wouldn't have got Generations. <laughs> Probably not, actually. They might have struggled to justify that. Yeah. yeah. Though, luckily, the 80s was a lot more forgiving than yeah, uh, the current so. climate. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So, that leads us on to generations which it's not my favorite but i do i do really like this movie i the whole shatner thing and i can understand why they did it for the movie going audience people who probably weren't watching tng on tv they needed to have this handover from the previous generation onto onto the next generation um for me i i don't think it was necessary for shatner to be in there Although he's okay in it, I, I, I can live with it because I actually en- really enjoy the rest of the movie. I think that the plot of the Nexus is—it's an interesting one. Yeah. Certainly an interesting one. This magical place where you know you can be taken and you know your your desires become real. And I mean, you've got Malcolm McDowell in there, who you know who, who plays Soren and does a brilliant job. And the man who will stop at nothing. He's destroying stars to, to get this thing to come to him. Um, and we got the Duress Sisters in there as well, which are great. I was always a fan of those. and It actually spells the end of the Duress Sisters as well. Yeah. Um, we get to see have some funny moments with Data and his emotion chip. Not a big fan of the singing in that, but... Yeah, okay. I, it, I think what works for me with regards to the concept of the Nexus is that it's it's something that I think everybody can identify with in in the sense of if you was ever in any sort of contact with something that could just make you live forever and in like the most 
like peaceful way that you want they give you exactly that what you want you can understand why Sauron wouldn't want to leave it Though I don't understand quite the mechanics of how the Nexus works. No, I think, again, it's one of those things you've just got to gloss over and just say, look, it's magical, okay? Just just, but, just go with it. I can, I can understand that it takes you to wherever you want in your mind's eye and everything, but I, I can't understand how it actually allows you to travel through time and affect reality. Mm. Because I I would have thought it was very much more you're living in some sort of dream state where you, you, you just get what you desire. Yeah. I don't see how, just because Kirk wants to come and help Picard, they manage to successfully leave the Nexus. Yeah, they just leave it. Yeah, they just leave it out of nowhere. And also, surely if they've just left it, Picard would then, when they get back to uh, the planet, there would be two Picards. Yeah, I suppose he leaves. He arrives just after he left. So, well, no, because um, oh, no, 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 because he goes back the rocket. in time. Yeah, yeah, the rocket. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. Well, yes. yeah, it's magic. It's time, tra- <laughs> it's time travel. Don't worry about it. It's magic. And also, it's... if Kirk. Like was in that uh, like if he's there being affected and like he's um he's falling in that bridge, sure he could just think, oh shit, this isn't a good way to die, and then suddenly he'd be back at his uh, ranch. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the, no, I I do enjoy the movie. I think it's um a good a good start to the TNG um a good start to the TNG movies, a, a solid one. I uh, no, don't get me wrong. I really like this film. I love the uh, the moment where Chekhov calls Scotty uh, on the Enterprise B uh, to come to uh, the whole breach. Yes, and it's just like uh, that entire moment of realization, knowing that Kirk had saved the ship but sacrificed himself. Yeah. And there are plenty of good moments uh, in it. I enjoyed seeing Picard. Well, the the whole theme of the movie is mortality. Yeah. And I I enjoyed the emotional turmoil that Picard went through with the uh, the, the death of Rene. Yes. Yeah, because obviously this this does mark a turning point. Um, for Picard, they, they, he does transform into into movie Picard, and they flesh him out a little bit more. And he, he isn't quite the stern, no nonsense man he was right at the beginning of TNG. So they they do change his character a little bit, but but for the good, I think. I think so. I think so. But it, I think th- it's exactly what they done with Kirk as well. They fleshed Kirk out a lot more for the movies as well because you. You've got to make the characters that much more relatable in a short amount of time. Rather than having an entire series, you've only got two hours to try and make you give a fuck about this character. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I get it. And I really, I do enjoy, I do enjoy it. And I'm, it's, 
this is one of the soundtracks that I've listened to the most. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's got a good soundtrack actually. It is. Yeah. Not, not my favourite, but um, right then. So next up is First Contact. I like this movie just a little bit. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone knows how much I love First Contact. Absolutely yeah. fantastic movie. There is, there is nothing about this movie that I don't. Well, I'm saying there's nothing I don't like. I think this, the whole scenes with. Data and the Borg Queen, I could sort of take or leave them. I don't think they don't particularly work that well for me, but I forgive it because the rest of it is just amazing. And also, going back to continuity, um, I don't understand how the Enterprise got back from the neutral zone in time to help the battle. (laughs) But still, the the, the niggly little uh, things like that aside, we... We love nitpicking things, only because we love it. Yeah, that's that's just what we do. That's what Star Trek fans do. But I mean, it's got fantastic action. It's got Borg at the the time when the Borg was still scary before Voyager ruined them. Um, Amazing music. Now, I've listened to this soundtrack a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the extended one is really good as well. So there's there's a lot of extra stuff on there. Um, Great action. uh, Movie for Picard. Um, superbly directed by Jonathan Frakes, we have to point that out. I think yeah. he did a fantastic job on that. Um, some a few nice funny moments, but it isn't overdone. It's one one of my favourite funny moments in that though is is Reg Barkley, where, yeah. he's, where he's down on the planet and, and and he's there and they're talking to Zephyr Cochran and he's just sort of standing there nodding at him and looking and he's just you can just see he's totally geeking out and you know they, like Geordie said that they, that they're all. They've all got this little bit of hero worship about him, but no one can geek out like Reg Barkley because he's just... Oh, it's brilliant. I love that bit. Yeah. Like oh, I said, yeah. Like I said, the whole Borg Queen thing... I mean, the, the Borg Queen was a new concept, and you're bit... Oh, it is a bit weird because, well, the Borg... They always worked for me better when you saw them as a, a collective entity, but I can understand why they did it for the movie-going audience. They needed someone with whom they could interact as if they were an individual, so I can understand why they did the Queen. Yeah, no, exactly. For the movie-going audience, you need someone there that you need an antagonist. Yeah, exactly. Much as they did with um, with Locutus in the Best of Both Worlds, it made sense for that, as well as having the drama of having you know Picard um, be captured because there was that cliffhanger: is he going to return? In, in this fourth season, and they let, they left people for that whole summer in the US, um, wondering what had happened. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And uh, as you said, the Borg have always been such a huge threat. But I personally do also think that what made them more scary in the TV series was that they were this hive mind, that they were unidentifiable. The, the 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 whole premise that they took your individuality and just you became just a part of this yes a cog in this machine mm. so in some ways the queen did begin the process of uh, like taking away the shroud that surrounded the borg mm. but. I, I, it didn't bother me at the time, and it still doesn't bother me now because Alice Krieg does a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She was she was brilliant in that role. 
yeah, she does an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, I enjoy seeing uh, Data's continue to like struggle with his emotion chip, uh, but managing it more. Uh, I also enjoy. I I love the interactions with Zephyrin Cochran. Yeah, yeah, because you you see him for for what he was. They'd obviously they'd idolised him, and then they had this whole this image about him. And it just turned out to be completely wrong. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's one of the things. Uh, history is uh, very subjective. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and you're never going to really hit things on the head. And if you've had someone that's made such a remarkable discovery as warp drive, you're going to gloss over some of the nitty gritty parts of their character. Mm fantastic movie I, I really can't fault it one or two little things here and there but no I, I, I can't I can't say anything bad about it I would say there's no actual faults one or two little nitpicks but that does not knock it down whatsoever Insurrection yes now funny thing is I actually watched that movie today oh did you yeah because I'm, I'm going to be recording um, doing the Insurrection movie retrospective with the Delta Quadrant guys which will be ah. released in the next couple of weeks ago so I hadn't seen this for a while I really enjoy this film I really enjoy this film I, uh, I know a lot of people turn around and say it's absolutely boring but it, it's it's once again okay where I was saying before like with like a good movie you make it so that Joe Public can just jump in this movie was very much just catering to the core Star Trek base it felt like an episode of TNG mm. rather than maybe a motion picture but that doesn't bother me that doesn't bother me I really liked the, the film as a whole I'm not I'm not as big a fan I mean it proves you know Time and time again, it proves one thing: Starfleet admirals are dodgy. Every single admiral we see, there's no such thing as a nice admiral. They're all well dodgy. What the hell happens to captains when they become admirals? Yeah, no, it's it's something in the water. You you have to pass like one of them tests. They show you the uh, old blots of ink on the uh, paper. If you don't see anything evil, you're not getting in. Yeah, exactly, because they're always really, really dodgy admirals. Um, the, the 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 sort of premise of the storyline, you know, I can get on board with, and the, there are things here, there are elements to to other episodes in here. There's a little bit of who, who watches, watches the watchers. watchers with the duck blind in. Um, yeah. There's that. There's elements of I think for me thine own self in there a little bit as well. And the overall concept of the storyline, I think, is a good one, and the violation of the prime directive and. You know, they will do anything to uphold it and protect them at whatever cost. I just think it's not my, I don't think it's a bad movie, but I think it's a decline for the TNG movies. I think well, after generations of first contact, I mean, they were going to have a tough job to top first contact. So, But it, it is the start of the decline for the movies, for, for me. Well, to be honest, they didn't have a lot of time to pick it back up. But it was, yeah. I mean, as well, this was 1998 this was released, so it came hot off the heels of First Contact, which was late 96 when it was yeah. released, so it came out very, very quickly. Yeah, no, I I personally, I I would say it's 
it's for me it's a solid movie that I enjoy and it's just it's one of the movies that I don't have to put much thought into and I would say for me it's definitely in the, like the the top third yeah. so it's like in the top four or no five I yeah I'd say it's in the top five just because I, I enjoy it I enjoy it a lot Though what I would say is, at, at the time, whenever I would hear the title, I in my head I've always titled the film Star Trek: It's an Erection. <laughs> yeah, well, it usually is for most of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know why. I don't know why. That's just the link that I've always had. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So. We're now we're getting close to the end now. So, the final TNG movie, Nemesis. I, when I went to the cinema to see this, I left. This was the first time that I've watched a Star Trek film at the cinema, and left f- feeling disappointed. Mm. I, I would probably say that Nemesis, other then Star Trek V is my least favourite Star Trek film. It's in the bottom two. It's, yeah, it's certainly down there in the bottom. I mean, it just doesn't work. I mean, the, the storyline, I don't have too much of a problem. I mean, I really like Romulans. It was like, oh, brilliant, we've got some Romulans in. Um, yeah, but then you don't see any. No, not really. You don't see enough of It's all Remans. Yeah. Um, okay, they introduced the Remans. Okay, that's cool to have them in. Um, the the death scene in the Romulan Senate at the beginning is spectacular. That's a cool scene. That's a really. That cool is scene. a very cool scene. That is a really really cool scene. Um, but the whole they've got a clone of Picard and it just doesn't it just doesn't work as a storyline for me. And also we're all way too thick to associate that Picard may have ever had hair when he was younger. Oh, I know, the, the bald shot of him at the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessary. We, you know, we, 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 we can get it. You know, we do understand that men go bald. They had yeah. hair, and then they don't. Exactly. He, he hasn't suffered with alopecia all his life. No. No, exactly not. And the other thing is, they kill off Data. I'm still upset about that. I yeah. know. I know there's the whole B4 thing, and... You know, they seem to forget about law. They do, oh wow, it's another android. Well, have you completely forgotten about law? They seem to they seem to have conveniently forgot that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. They've conveniently forgot about law, but then also I would say that in I really like Data, regardless of the arguments that we've had, discussions that we've had in the past about Data sentience. Yes. I really do love Data. But I would say that in this film they probably damage the character of Data mm. far much more after building him up for seven seasons to be such a likable uh, and like sentient being. They've always thrown that in your face all the way through the entire seven seasons. Sentient, sentient, sentient. But we can kill him off. But it's okay because he backed up his hard drive into his brother. Yeah. That destroyed, totally, 
take away yeah. all of the like any sort of everything they'd worked for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I know. I know they bring him back in in books, and yeah, B four becomes Data or, or whatever. You know, Data is still there, but in B 4s body. Yeah, okay, we could guess that, but like you said, it just completely destroys everything they've built up about his character. That there is something else about him. He isn't just a machine. That he's got this, this. I suppose you could call it a soul. You know, that extra thing that makes him more than a machine. If they can just back him up and just plug him into another body, then he's no he's no more than than a hologram character, a holodeck character, or or, or the Enterprise computer. Exactly. Exactly. It's it makes him so interchangeable that it's like. Oh, don't worry. If he breaks, we've we've got another one out back. We can just restart him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It it just it dam it does far too much damage to data, and I feel that this film does not do anything to better the next generation. No, in any way in my eyes no and it's not surprising that it was the final TNG movie the, the thing is what doesn't help is the director that they got didn't like sci-fi yeah they got someone who couldn't give a fuck yeah exactly to to direct a film that to be honest we all know now really did like it, it had everything riding on it. They needed it to be a success after the mediocre performance that Insurrection had. Mm. They needed it to be a success to want to make another movie straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't. It didn't. It, it didn't, didn't perform. Happen. Yeah. The death of the TNG movie. So disappointed. Yeah. So then we had a seven-year gap. Seven years. Seven years, and then of course. We come out with the JJ, the controversial to some reboot of Star Trek into the into the JJ universe. It's not really a reboot though, because it's it's an alternate timeline. Yeah, well they call it a reboot. Yeah, of course it's an alternate timeline, but they call it a reboot. First time I saw this, I saw this uh, in the cinema, and I, I was like, oh, that's amazing. You know, I, I I just loved it. It was just it went back to some of the things that I loved about Star Trek and just just going back to TOS but just doing it in a in a, in, a, in a new way and having Chris Pine as, as Kirk I think Chris Pine makes a great Kirk and Zach Quinto is fantastic as Spock he was he was born to play Spock and I'd, I'd been watching Heroes before that and loved his character in that I absolutely loved that series and I thought he was great yeah. um, and I mean a lot of people have picked holes saying it's not Star Trek God's sake, Sean. Yes, it is. Yes, Star it is. Trek. I mean, the whole. There are a few things in the plot which I'm not that happy with, but I overlook them. You yeah. know, this whole thing about oh, this this supernova was going to destroy the galaxy. Well, that's rubbish. That wouldn't happen. But no. okay. And I just I just brush over that. I'm a little upset that they destroyed Vulcan. I thought that was a very bold move. That was a very very big thing to do. But it does. It does hammer home the fact that this is an alternate timeline. That something as big as that can happen um, in, in this alternate universe. But a great movie all round. Yeah. No, I I personally uh, really do like the O9 movie. Um, I 
at the time I I really enjoyed it, but then afterwards I got slightly miffed off that they had uh, changed so much that they had destroyed Vulcan that they'd done this. But then it's like you you come to your like inner piece that it's like no, it's an alternate timeline, and also it's it's done exactly what we needed it to. Yeah. It's made yeah. new fans. Yes, exactly. That was a point I was going to bring up. It's made Star Trek cool again. I mean, Star Trek's always been cool. We know that, and everyone listening to this podcast knows Star Trek's always been cool. But it it made people talk about it. People who don't necessarily, who you know, who weren't hardcore fans. Oh yeah, you know, I watched a few on the telly, and I, I quite like them. It made it like, oh wow, okay. You know, and the amount of Star Trek merchandise and stuff that you can get now. They sell Star Trek T-shirts in Tesco. It came at the right time with the whole geek chic thing, and the amount of geeky movies that come out now. You know, amount of superhero movies that come out, you know, we've had all the Iron Man movies, we've had the Avengers movie, the Thor movies, that sort of stuff is becoming is becoming cool and, and it came at the right time to to reinvigorate the franchise and, and bring in new fans, bring in new people who saw that and thought, oh, that was great, I really enjoyed that. And then people go, oh, well, it's actually, do you realise there's 700 hours of, uh, there, were t- t- there were 10 other movies and there's also 700 hours of a TV show. So it's got people into watching TNGs, particularly with the Blu-rays coming out yeah. and you know, and the remastered versions of the original series. So it made it cool again. It brought new people into the into the franchise. And that's what we need. If, if, if it's going to come back to the TV, which we all desperately wanted to, it needs to get people interested in it. And the thing is, it, with regards to people that turn around and say, oh, it's not Star Trek, Bollocks! People have been saying that when <laughs> when TNG they, came out, with, yeah. when TNG came out. Oh, Deep Space Nine! It's not a ship. That's yeah. not Star Trek. Yeah, it's a space it's, station. Yeah. It's all different variations of Star Trek, and the core principles of Star Trek are still there in the O9 movie. The characters still had the same basic uh, makeup, as it were, mm. um, and I. I really do, I really do enjoy it, and as we said, it's invigorated the franchise. Though it, they need to do something more about getting something on the TV sooner, because waiting three years between movies is a bit painstaking. Mm. But w- what I would say is, I, I, I was slightly disappointed. Uh, wait, no, I'll, I'll bring this up on the next one. Okay. Let's go on to the next one, of course, the most recent movie, the movie we were all very excited about for over a year, the movie with all of the speculation, and that's Into Darkness. And I don't think it disappointed. No, it didn't disappoint me. I mean, I went to the midnight showing. That's the first midnight showing of any movie I've ever been to. You know, there's lots of movies I want to go and see, but uh, there was no other movie where I says, I have to go there. I have to be one of the first people to see it. And I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, an absolutely brilliant movie. The entire, it's so action-packed, so action-packed, but then also uh, I think it does fantastic at making it so that you empathise with Khan. Mm. He's not just a two-dimensional villain. No, that was it. And because uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, before the movie had been released, uh, we didn't know it was Khan at the time, but he says, you know, you, you will understand this character, you will have sympathy for him, and I did. 
Yeah. You know, there were points in the movie where I thought, oh, wow, you know, he's, he's not the same person. You know, he, he didn't he didn't go through the whole events of space. He wasn't marooned on Seti Alpha 5, didn't see his wife and his friends killed, didn't have this vengeance thing against, against Kirk. Okay, he was still a, a megalomaniac lunatic, but he'd, he'd been through a whole completely different set of experiences, and I did have sympathy for him. Exactly. And... I I did have sympathy for him. You could understand why he was doing what he was doing, mm. because Kirk was never his uh, villain. It mm. was always Admiral Marcus. And uh, to be honest, when people turn around and say, "Oh, they've just remade Space Siege," oh, and they've uh, remade Wrath of Khan, it's all just one thing. It's like, no, it really isn't. They've to- it's a totally different chain of events. Yes, they've taken certain scenes from uh, Wrath of Khan and of course, yeah. uh, turned them on their head, like done them opposite. But fuck it, it's a movie. It's, it's meant movie. to be fun. Exactly, it's a it's a story. You know, start. I'll let you into a little secret spoiler alert. Star Trek isn't real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a TV show and it's a series of movies and yeah we all love it and we like to nitpick it but come on it's not real it's there for entertainment and does Star Trek Into Darkness entertain? Yes uh, it does. It does and let's face it we all like little little corny winks like back at the fans like remember when we used to say this? Yeah. It's like it's like that does not bother me whatsoever what I was slightly disappointed with was I was hoping that they were actually going to keep Kirk dead (laughs) I don't think they could have done that well I would have liked to have seen them in my own eyes I would have liked to have seen them keep Kirk dead and then the third one would have been Spock so bereaved at losing his planet and losing his mum then losing Kirk that he then finds it, it searches out a way of like resetting the entire timeline, just because I I really love the Prime Universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I can understand that. Yeah, I mean I love the Prime Universe as well. And you know, can, can we can we can we go back there in the next movie? No, you know, I don't think so. I don't think there's any way we can. I don't think there's any way we can get back to the Prime Universe. I was thinking, can they wrap it up at the end of the movie so that when they do a new TV series, it will go back to Prime? I don't think they will because they need to they need to keep the new fans that they've brought on with the Prime Universe. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say when, not if, when there's a new series, it will be in the alternate timeline. I don't think it can be on the Enterprise because you you don't want them to to recast all of those characters with different actors because they're all big names and they're not going to want a sign on for you're not a gonna, TV series there's no way you're going to get Zach Quinto and Simon Pegg and you're not going to get them on a, t- on a TV show there's too much work involved in a TV show you know it's so much hard work okay I think when they when they do a new TV series it won't be 25 26 episodes per season it'll be the shorter half seasons they do nowadays like 13 episodes that's fine but it's still a lot of work. I don't think they will get those actors... Well, they won't. They will not get those actors in to do TV series. So the new series will be in the alternate timeline, but it'll be on a different ship or on a different series of ships. 
maybe it'll, it'll be, be on, maybe but, it'll be on one ship for one season, exploring a, an overarching arc of a story. Mm-hmm. That's and the thing. They could have I've... a season on one ship or half a season on one ship, move to another part of the story from, some, from someone else's point of view, but introduce characters, you know, link them together somehow as it runs through the story arc. I think that's what they'll need to do. I. That's the thing. I. I would love nothing more than to see the TV shows go back to the Prime Universe. But as you said, at the moment. The money is in the JJ verse, yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna keep it there. They're gonna keep it there, and that breaks my heart. But uh, unfortunately, we're just gonna have to look forward to the next next generation. So, uh, so what would you say is your like like your top films, then, Mark? Well, top films: First Contact, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, Into Darkness, yeah. Uh, Undiscovered Country mm-hmm. and Wrath of Khan. They're my yeah. top. They're my top four. All good choices. Yeah, definitely all good choices. I agree. Uh, for me personally, uh, Undiscovered Country is there. I would probably say Undiscovered Country is my top favorite film. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. number one. Good uh, and then the, all of the others kind of meld into one big second place slot. Which would be First Contact, Into Darkness, and The Wrath of Khan, closely followed by The Voyage Home. So it's, yeah, no, I, I would say those are the power, the, the power five for me. Though, I th- I think we never need discuss the films that should not be named. <laughs> Yeah, the bottom two films are obviously uh, Nemesis and Star Trek V. Yeah, and the others just mill about in the, yeah, we're quite good range. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I wouldn't say the other films are actually that bad. No, they're not, they're all good. They're all good, all good, other than them two films. Yeah. Which both piss all over everything that ever came before it. And just really make you think, like, wow, if there was anything that was ever going to make me question the amount of hours that I've put into this series, it's these two films. Yeah, quite. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, There you go. I enjoyed that. I did. I hope hope everyone else did too. So, it's time for this. Yes, and it's time for feedback. We're going to uh, clarify a couple of things because we have been asked a, a couple of times. Um, we, as a general rule, uh, any emails that we get or f- feedback that we get on the forum. Uh, we tend to just reply straight away, yeah, and like discuss things with you on a personal note, uh, rather than reading out feedback uh, on the show. Because, uh, to be honest, it, 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 the feedback section can take up a, a big chunk of time, 
that you, that you can be talking about Star Trek, but it doesn't mean that we don't appreciate any feedback that we ever get. I know, absolutely not. Yeah, so we always do love hearing from people. So if you ever want to email us, make sure that you uh, get in contact with one of the ways that you uh, hear in uh, Rick Moyer's bumper uh, that we put in the show. Uh, though if you do ever go out of your way to send in a voicemail, we will uh, always play that because that's something a little bit special. Yeah, definitely. So we got a voicemail here from uh, long time. She's loved us long time. She loved us long time. She loved us long time. Um, long time listener and fan uh, and also now features writer. Yeah, member of the family. Member of the family, Gail Gerard. So should we give that voicemail a listen? Yeah, uh, though uh, we uh, we did actually egg her on. Oh, we did. Yeah, she does mention it. Because she said on Twitter, did you, did you ask her to come on the podcast? Uh, I'm not quite no. sure. Oh, no, because I just um, I saw her tweet. She said something about, am I ever going to do what I've been asked to do? And I said to her, I don't, I don't know what she was talking about. Or, oh, actually, that could have been a bit awkward. Maybe someone asked her to do it. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I said to her, um, what, you're going to come on a podcast? And she was like, no, no, I, I'm... You know, I'm too much of a chicken. And I was like, no, go on. Okay, you need to re- record a voicemail. I said, I double-dare you, and you triple-dared her. So, she did. <laughs> she she came through. So, let's give it a listen. Hey, y'all. Gail Gerard here, a.k.a. The Trek Knitter. Um, Mark and Wayne double and uh, triple dog dared me on Twitter, so I had to do it. <laughs> I had to get up to get the, the, the guts to send y'all a voicemail, which I guess I am. So, um, okay. Anyway, last time y'all were talking about the pros and cons of the various engineers on Star Trek, right? I think that as far as knowing the ship backwards and forwards, Jordy LaForge was right up there with the rest of them. But when it came down to Liz, he sucked big time. I mean, if you look at it, all the other engineers got way more time in bed than he did. I've, I've even taken to calling him poor, dumb Jordy because when it came to the girls, he was downright crappy. He never got any of the poor guy. I mean, seven years. No chicks. What the heck? Poor, poor Jordy. Anyway, you know, I, I want, he said that Data was his best friend, right? Right. Okay. So maybe there was something going on between him and Data. Could happen, right? Data is fully functional. Who knows? Right. Okay. Anyway, hope y'all have been enjoying the articles and my fanfic, Return to Saval. Live long and prosper, y'all. I I have to say, we did double and triple dog dare uh, Gail to send in a voicemail. I'd just like to call foul because I know Cena when I hear her. <laughs> <laughs> you got Cena to do that voicemail, didn't you? <laughs> with that with that Texas accent. No, there's a, a definite. And I said to her, "Oh, I lo- love your accent." She's like, "Have I got an accent, really?" It's like, "Yeah, you have just a bit." Yeah, yeah, you big old, big old uh, Texan accent, and it's it's funny really because it, when people say that us, uh, when the Americans turn around and say us Brits sound also similar, <laughs> how similar Gail and Cena sound. Mm. I was just like, wow. But yeah, no, that's a very good point. A very good point. I am sure that there is n- nothing morally and ethically wrong to uh, sodomize your android mate yeah or have him do you yeah exactly exactly because 
let's face it. If if you wanted to have Jordy, as you said, has really bad luck with women. He knows where Data's off switch is, yeah. so Data won't even know any the better. He doesn't even he doesn't even need Rehypnol. No, he. <laughs> that's it. You don't even need to fork out for date rape drugs. You can just literally just switch him off, have your way, and uh, that's the thing. Data will just think that he's uh, losing like a bit of uh, excess oil. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't feel pain, so he won't have a sore ass in the morning, will he? No, <laughs> no, not that so you can imagine him waking back up with his cocked head. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember putting that there. Julius. Yeah. <laughs> so, have I missed anything, Geordie? Oh, no, no, uh-huh. no, nothing. Geordie, why are you smoking that cigarette? Oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's not even... There's- under that hairband. <laughs> uh, there's there's got to be some fanfic out there, isn't there? I have no doubt that there's fanfic there. Probably already like been hit so many thousands of times. Oh yeah, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. <laughs> <laughs> but a brilliant voicemail. Thank you, Gail. It's yes. um good to finally hear you after all this time. Yeah, no, definitely. It is uh, most enjoyable. So, so if anyone... Yeah, 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 yeah. But now she's had the courage to do it once. It means you've got to do it again, Gail. You can't just do it once. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. We, we, we've come to expect it now. Yeah. So, yeah, remember, if you guys want to uh, get in touch via voicemail, uh, just send over an MP3 or WMA. Uh, they're so easy to record now with the multiple devices that everyone's got. Yeah. Uh, just send them over to trekmate1701 at gmail.com and we'll make sure that they uh, get played on the show. Though what I would say is um, uh, this week, uh, due to lack of time and also because Paul's not here, uh, we will wait until Paul's back before we do Who Gives a Toss. Yeah, and to make sure that he's watched the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more so that we can make sure he's done his homework than anything. Mm, definitely. <laughs> So we will get back to that next time. So uh, here is Rick with how you can get in contact. Hi, thanks for listening to this edition of TrekMate. There are a number of ways you can get in touch. You can email TrekMate1701 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We are at TrekMate1701. Or, if you're on Facebook, just search for TrekMate and add us as a friend. Remember to stop by TrekMateFamily.com to keep up to date with all the latest Star Trek news, read our original features, and check out some of our sister podcasts. Paul can be reached on Twitter. He is at TrekMatePaul. You can follow Matt on Twitter. He is at QBIE. And visit his website at QB.com. If you want to get in touch with Mark... Tweet at Mark Stamper. That's at M-A-R-C Stamper. Wayne can be found on Twitter. He is at WayneTheGame. Or you can visit WayneEmery.com. If you enjoyed the music played at the end of the TrekMate podcast, then you can download them for free at StarTrekParodies.com. And if you want to tell the artist just how much he rocks, you can tweet me, Rick Moyer, at Moyer777. Oh, and please, stop by iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really does make a difference for us. 
If you've already done this, then thank you. Once again, thanks for listening. Now, it's time for Trek Tracks with Matt Warwick. Yes, and it's time again for Trek Tracks. And of course, joining us for Trek Tracks is good friend Matt Warwick. Hello, Matt. Hi, Mark. Uh, hello, Wayne. You alright? Very good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm oh, very well. Good. good. Right. You said just a little while ago, just before we um, start recording, you've got something a little bit different for us this week a little bit yeah, uh, yeah different is the word I'd use this is um, this is in honour of uh, Bob Picardo's 60th birthday which was uh, at the end of October yeah so, yeah. a couple yeah, of days ago I saw did that, a few yeah. tweets about that yeah and um, so this is um, a few years ago early 2000s he put out a cu- couple of like parody CDs and one of oh. them has got a clip in which is something that he sung in an episode of Voyager. Oh, I think I know which um, one this is. Okay. But uh, I thought, well, it's you know, it, it's time for us to do something a little bit different in this section. And it, it it has appeared in an episode of Voyager, so it's perfectly acceptable for me to play it, I think, if you both are happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good to me. Yeah, so... Uh, um, it's uh, does, does someone, one of our listeners, um, or someone we, we know quite well, uh, will enjoy this as well? And uh, I think you'll be able to figure out who that is uh, when we're listening to it. But uh, without further ado, shall we go for it? Yep, let's give it a listen. Here's a little bit of opera, and a pleasant surprise for our German fans. I hope. La donna immobile, qual più mal vento, muta da cento, e di pensiero. Sempre un amabile, leggiadro viso, impianto in riso, e menzognero. La donna immobile, qual più mal vento, muta da cento. Wack, ich verstehe sie, sie sind Vulkanier, sie mussten sieben Jahre ohne Auskommen. Paris versuchen sie zu laden ein Hypospray, ich gebe ein Zeichen ihnen, euer Ziel ist sein Hinterteil. Hormonatoben, Synapsen glichen, alles ist so fair. 
Unlogisch Unlogisch Do you owe René money? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think she'll be singing along with that when she hears it. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love that. That's such a funny bit in the episode. And for those of those of um, for those listeners who don't speak German, um, I will play that clip at the end of this week's show, replacing one of uh, Rick's tunes uh, for this week only. I will play it because it's so funny. It is Sounds really, good to really me. cool. It's really really funny. Definitely. I yeah, it's not. He's not a bad singer, is he? No, he's, he's he, he does all right actually. He does pretty good. I mean, he did sing quite a lot in Voyager, didn't he? Um, yeah. And that's just such a funny scene. It's just really cleverly done. Um, I mean, Bob, Bob, he he made that show for me. He just he stole every scene he was in. He was fantastic and brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'd love to meet him um, at, at, at an event at some point. I just yeah. think he, the guy's just a legend. Well, I briefly, I say I briefly got to meet him at Wales Comic Con and I had my photo took with him. And he was, uh, he, he was lovely, he was, you know, really nice. He had a little quick chat with you while you were waiting for the photo to be taken. Uh, you know, he wasn't like, dare I say, a certain person who tends to just sit there and look at the camera and not uh, say anything. Wayne, I think you know who I'm talking about. Cuntner. <laughs> yeah, William Shatner, who just won't even make eye contact with anyone. Yeah. And, the, and yet, he, was, he tends to charge the most for his photos as well, doesn't he? Apparently, he's as nice as pie to the people that he has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the rest of us who have lined his pockets for so many years. No, not so much. Disappointing. Yeah, it is. But not not a disappointing bit of music this week, though. Not at all. Not at all. I really enjoyed that. Okay. So, after that, let's see how we get on with this, shall we? Time for the Trek Off. So that theme music can only mean one thing. What is it time for, chaps? Let's kick Wayne's ass in a quiz. It's time for the Trek Off. This is going to be interesting, actually, because Wayne, you're already a point ahead of Paul. And with his absence this week, you've obviously got the chance to stretch your lead a little. Yeah, and pull ahead of him. Well, if he doesn't turn up for a show, then you know that's yeah. I mean, I, do. I, mean, I, I, I didn't, you know? but I mean, I could afford not to turn up like for a few weeks, couldn't I? So. <laughs> that's it. Mark's just got a like free pass until February. <laughs> yeah, yeah even even with that last week, Wayne has still got less than half the number of points you've got. So, so, so what is the score? Remind it's, us of the score. It's for you, Mark. Have got thirty-two points. Yeah. Wayne's got fifteen, and Paul's got fourteen. Okay. Um, let's um, shall we do the random questions first for a change, and we'll do the music. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, let's mix it up a little. You spicy sod. I know, I know. (laughs) Well, you know, you've got to keep things fresh and interesting, haven't you? Absolutely. That's what they tell me anyway. (laughs) Who wants to uh, say stop on the page? Uh, Mark, you you may. Okay, are you ready? Three, two, one, and I've started. Stop. So we've landed on the first page of the DS9 section. And the questions are all about Benjamin Sisko. Okay. I know so we have reasonably well, with a bit of luck. Yep. 
He likes shaping things and saying it's a fake. He does. Uh, he does indeed. <laughs> right, there are 12 questions on this page, so who wants to go first? Um, I'll let you make the choice, Wayne. I'm in the lead, so you can make the choice if you go first or I go first. I'll say better than that. No, I appreciate that. I, I will. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. And what? Uh, what's the uh, uh, top number? One, one, one to twelve. One to twelve. Okay, and then let's go for number eleven. Number eleven. Okay. Multiple choice question. You'll be pleased to hear. That's good. Cisco discovered, rediscovered a long lost Bajoran city. <sighs> Was it named A. Kendra, B. Opaka, C. Bahala, or D. Orbopolis? Oh, that's so easy. Mm. I I want to double check. <laughs> uh, okay, could you repeat the uh, names one more time? Uh, Kendra. Yeah. Opaka. Yeah. Bahala. Orbopolis. Yeah. I love Orbopolis. Orbopolis. Yeah. It sounds like something from Futurama, doesn't it? Uh, no, it makes me think of um, the South Park episode where Kenny is tripping out on cat urine and like a boobopolis. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you don't know that episode, you need to watch it. Loads of boobs. Um, okay, I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen this episode. But I'm going to take a punt at Valhalla. Which is probably wrong. It's probably going to be the first answer. Uh, you mean Valhalla? That's the one. <laughs> uh, yes, that's the right answer. It is the right answer, Valhalla. Uh, yeah, that I'm sure you've seen that episode. You would have seen it. It's the I one where he's um, he goes a bit he goes a bit um, nuts. Nuts, yeah. And there's, he's got like the Star Trek inside, London. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the Hollow Suite, he's got the, the like the pillar. And he puts the images on the sides of it to try and decipher decipher it. No, I do, I do, I do recall that. But to be honest, I need to do a DS9 rewatch. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I've yeah. I've done my DS9 rewatch uh, fairly recently. Is that season six? I think it is. Seven, it's very late. It's fairly late, isn't it? it so, it's yeah. definitely when they got the new uniforms because I can see him yeah. sitting in his like waistcoat on the floor of the hot suite. Yeah, so, uh, that's right. Yeah. I do remember it. I've, I have had them all on VHS, but I haven't actually rewatched DS uh, that season of DS9, 6 and 7, probably in 10 years. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, no. that, was a, that was a good punt. Okay then, Mark. Okay. Um, let's go for number 5, please. Number 5. This is a true or false question. Okay. True or false, Cisco had a brother named Cal. Ooh. Did he have a brother? Hmm. False. The answer is false. Yeah. I don't think he had a brother, did he? Cal was an academy classmate, apparently. Okay. He was not known to have had a brother. No, because didn't he have a half-sister, though? Is that right? Did he have a half-sister? Or maybe I've made that up. I don't know. Hmm. I, do, I certainly don't recall a brother. Certainly don't recall a brother. Well, it was obviously false. So cool. Yeah. Cool. So you've both got two points for that. Excellent. Sounds good. Start. Good start. Although I've just put Mark's two points in Paul's column, so that's not very good. Move so that over. That. Yep. It's all done. Cool. Right. So as regular listeners will know, it's now time for the musical question. So 
we've got a piece of music from a TNG episode, seasons one to four, remember? Yep. You just need to tell me which episode it was. So if you're both ready. As I'll ever be. Yep, let's go for it. an interesting one isn't it interesting that that could be a number of episodes <laughs> it could be like any episode in the first four series which is where it comes from yeah <laughs> oh um that's, that's very much a we're showing you the outside of the Enterprise theme. Possibly, yeah. And it, I, I can't narrow it down to um, like a species theme or anything like that. No, I couldn't uh, get a species in there either. So it's either going to be a species of the week that they're fighting mm. or an alien something trying to hump the ship. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I couldn't even give this any sort of sensible guess, so I'm I'm not even going to guess at that. I, c- I couldn't give anything sensible off off, off of that. Well, you might as well take a punt then. Um, okay. That's the thing. It's always worth taking a punt. I'm gonna go for where no man, uh, where no one has gone before. Mm. Okay. Wayne? It did feel like early, early TNG. I I can see where you're coming from going for that. I'm gonna. I am going to go for Arsenal Freedom. Okay, so you've both gone for season one. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not the right answer. Okay. Didn't okay. think so. I mean, yeah. I had a, I had a full, you know, I had about a one in a hundred chance there, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got an audio clue. So, I'll play that and we'll see how you get on. Number and type of ships, Mr. Crusher. Mm. Mm. Number and types. Does that help at all? Mm. Number and types of ships, ships Mr. Crusher. So it's obviously mm, not the first half of season one then, more or less, because Wesley wasn't, well, he, he was sort of on the bridge fairly early on, wasn't he? Um, hmm, number and types of ships. Hmm. You might want to Skype me your answer this time, just in case one of you does happen to hit upon it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the best clue ever, is it? <laughs> 
You will kick yourself when you hear it, I think. Uh, probably. You usually do. It's well, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Okay, number and types of ships. Just trying to think of episodes where they've come up against a large number of ships. I think people would be surprised at the amount of silence that is actually cut out. <laughs> yeah. It would make for a very boring podcast. Well, at least at least Paul's not here, because if Paul was here, it would be... Oh, I know this. I know. Oh, God, I know. I keep telling him to stop doing that. You must have the loudest keyboard ever. Ah, uh, number and types of ships. I'm going to punt for... Going along with the theme. Yeah, going along for one. Okay, I'm going to have to make a... Okay. Going to have to make a decision. Um... Okay, I'm gonna go for. Okay, uh, I think that's what it's called. I'm not sure it's got a that at the beginning, but yeah, I know which one you mean, though. Yeah. So there's been a lot of agonising on this, guys, but you have got answers. Not yeah. very good ones, but I've got an answer. I've gone for a season three episode. Uh, it's an early one, and that's the survivors. Hmm. Yeah, and Wayne. I was actually thinking of going for the survivors, but I went for booby trap. It's interesting that you've both gone for season three episodes, so and if I'm not mistaken, they're both very early on in the season. I think so. Yeah, the survivors is definitely early. That's like third survivors, or fourth, I think. Survivors is episode three, and booby traps episode six. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well. The answer is not either of those episodes. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're going to have to go to the final clip and see if you can get it. I, was, I can tell you, you're both heading in the right direction. <laughs> but right. if we play the final clip, um, I hope that, that you'll both get this. Okay. So here we go. Military log supplemental. Lieutenant Tasha Yar has transferred to the Enterprise C, where she has taken over tactical duties. Meanwhile, our long-range scanners have picked up Klingon battle cruisers on an intercept course. Number and type of ships, Mr. Crusher? Three Cavort-class battle cruisers, sir. They're not even troubling to cloak themselves. I shouldn't be so confident after the pasting we gave them on Archer 4. Attention, all hands. As you know, we could outrun the Klingon vessels, but we must protect the Enterprise C until she enters the temporal rift. And we must succeed. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Got out. That didn't even click on my radar. No, that it was, did with mine. That was very difficult for me to pick a quote out of that that wasn't going to give it away straight away. Mm. Oh, dear. But well, I mean, should we just get out of the way? Yeah. Um, yeah no, that I'm was, big... of course... Yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. Of course it was. I was thinking of that. That hadn't even clicked on my radar. So, no, that was a good choice of music. It didn't give anything away. Yeah, that was actually one of the very, very first pieces of Star Trek music I heard uh, as a piece of music, because that was on the first ever Star Trek audio CD I, I ever bought. Ah, okay. And that's a piece called the uh, Klingons, mm. fairly obviously. Uh, Dennis McCarthy, as you could probably tell, because um, of the uh, just the general 
tone of it and he's, he's like his uh, string section suspense type mm. music that he that he does so yeah um but i'm glad you got it from that final clip because i'd have been very very disappointed if no if, if you've managed to uh, to pick that up no well to be honest i think we would have had to have hung up our podcasts in hats yeah hung our head <laughs> in shame yeah and so you've both got uh, a single solitary point for that then okay so it, am i right in saying that's a tie this week we're not finished yeah we're, we're not still finished. got two more questions oh blimey yeah of course we're not so that's three points apiece so now it's uh random questions from this episode uh, it is. That, well, I know, I've this, got... I know this one reasonably well. I hope. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling you both might do quite well on this, but um, we will see. Don't ask me for random people's names. No, no, there's there's, there's none of that. Um, don't forget to both send me your answers individually because these yes. are still free for all questions. And the first question is: When Tasha is in ten forward with Castile, what? Does she order from Guinan? Ah, uh, I know this one. Uh, she orders a. Don't say. Don't say. No, no, no. no. Uh, please don't tell me I'm dead. What would she order? I don't know this one. Well, Mark's answer is in. Okay, uh, I'll. Okay, it wouldn't be that because that's Kardashian. A. What would she uh, ask for? Okay, I'm just going to have to take a guess. And she orders a... I'm just trying to think of drinks that are regularly ordered. Um, Okay, I'll go for a... Fuck it, I'll just go for... No, I can't go for that. That's the thing. I I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. So I'm just gonna go for. I'm gonna make something up. An Orion Sunset. Ah, I bet that's a very nice cocktail. Mm, yeah, it is. It's not what she ordered though, is it? No, it's not. She actually ordered a couple of Mark. Because uh, she ordered a couple of TKLs, which are standard rations. Don't know what yeah, TKL stands I'd for. I'd love to know what TKL stands for. But that's what she said. Yeah. What's that? Standard rations. She orders one for her and um, Castile, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. So that's huh. two points to you, Mark. Yay. And the final question of the day. What are the last two words spoken in this episode? <laughs> the last two words? Yep. Oh, Christ. So you're back in the normal universe. Okay, wait, let me think. If you can remember the scene, you should remember the last yeah. two words. Yeah, give me a second. Yeah. Put those DVDs away, Wayne. Give him 15 minutes when he just... <laughs> he had to fast forward the episode. I thought you'd be straight on this. Yeah, well, it's the last two words. Mm. Well, I'm sure the last... Because... That's what's said. Okay. But then I'm not sure if. I know what you. Oh yeah, I see what you're not. I know what you're not sure on. Okay. Quick, just type out the entire script of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Is that an enemy vessel? 
Okay. I'm probably going to kick myself in the foot. I'll go for the last two words of the first thing I sent you. Okay. So, gents, you've both sent me an answer. Wayne, do you want to go first? Okay, now I'm rethinking. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I... No, sorry, I'm going to go for well, she... Okay. Okay. I've gone for Tasha Yar. It's the scene at the end where uh, Guinan sat with Geordie and she says, tell me about Tasha Yar. And then the episode ends. Well, she never and just George said just, uh, yeah. looks at her, sort of cocks, like looks at her and sort of cocks his head in a bit, like well, that's a bit random. Fades, and he's still wearing his uh, alternate universe uniform as well, of course. Uh, the cuffs on his uniform are still the ones from the. Um, are they? Yeah, they are. Oh, Massive okay. continuity error that no one noticed apparently until the episode had uh, actually aired. Oh, okay. I'd never noticed that. Yeah. And I've seen that episode a lot, so. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'll, I'll take a look at that. So that means that's another two points to you then, Mark. Brilliant. So well what, done. What is that? Uh, what's the score for this week then? Seven to you. Three to Wayne. Brilliant. Uh, what Wayne, you've now got 18 points compared to Paul's 14, so you're we're ahead now. And I think uh, that puts me on 39? 39. No one likes a smug git. <laughs> Oh, no, that was I, I, that was a really tough music quiz. I mean, we were quite lucky with that episode, I think, but um, that was I'm, a tough. That was a tough musical one, wasn't it? I'm kicking myself about the last question though, because I was like, I know it's like, I thought the last bit was Geordie, tell me about Tasha, and I never put Yar there. If I'd put Yar there, then I would have thought, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. <sighs> oh well, never mind. So with me getting my ass handed to me on a plate again. Uh, that means it is the end of the show so uh, thank you very much for joining us guys I've been Wayne Emery I've been Matt Warwick and of course I've been Mark Stamper and that's Trekmate all hands on deck red alert bloopers approaching after the end music driving him to mate. We won't be able to reason with him. Tuvok, I understand. You are a Vulcan man. You have just gone without for seven years about. Paris, please find a way 
to load a hypospray. I will give you the sign, just aim for his behind. Hormones are raging, synapse is blazing, it's all so very illogical. It's uh, about products that's actually been uh, uh, it's a product that's actually been <sighs> okay Are you going to introduce the track off? Yeah, I'm just <clears throat> trying to think of a suitable introduction but I can't think of one so. Yeah, boy <laughs> I'm not saying that <laughs> Let's get down, homie Yo, yo, for show, it's the trek. Oh, <laughs> check. Oh, <laughs> sup? Gonna work. Sup, yo? As regular one, this is. <sighs> I'm glad you don't put the bloopers on anymore. <laughs> we do occasionally. If there's a really good one, I will. But, yeah. yeah. Mark's probably gonna put me again. Like, oh, my ass feels like I've been raped by Paul and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I was recording at that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know what you're talking about then if if I if I miss that. Squits. Squits. He said this. Oh, okay. His arsehole feels like a chewed up orange. That's the thing, I've been down to doctors, uh, been referred for murphysectomy, so got that to look forward to. Oh yeah. Nah, that's nothing. It's it's, oh. it's nothing. Nah, it's easy. Yeah. It's fine. Piece of piss. Yeah. That's the thing, I said, like if you want to be totally sure, just chuck a couple of Kinder eggs in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's going in the bloopers <laughs> well the taste would be a lot better wouldn't it <laughs> that's it I tell you the hard, the hardest bit though is you've got to shave your nuts I've done that before have you oh okay yeah well I never had and it was like oh okay it, it's, you've got to it's, shave cause just for um, for um, hygiene sake it's not the, it's not the shaving it's the growing back well, I suppose, yeah. That's what gets you, is when you're walking around like a cowboy for half a week, because it's chafing. Yeah. I was going to say, does it... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does, I'd, I'd yeah. imagine there's a lot of itching as well. Yeah, so bloody itchy. Mm. So bloody itchy. I've only ever done it twice, and that's only because it makes your tiny dick look big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a blooper fest this week, isn't it? You've been listening to the TrekMate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle stations. Go.
worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. As is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses. I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready.